We're talking travel and Sally Lucas, unusual destinations. Where do you think we should start? Well, as we're just saying off air, Jane, if people could remember out there, our listeners, their mum might have said to them if they behaved badly, they were going to be sent to the salt mine. Well... We are going to the salt mines. Salt mines today. Where are we going to start? <laughs> in in Poland, which is it's near Krakow. It's you can do a trip out of Krakow to go to these um, particular salt mines. Um, I'm not sure the correct pronunciation. I don't speak Polish, but it could be Wielitzka, um, W I E L I C Z K A, Wielitzka salt mine. And it sounds incredible, but the deepest of these lie at 327 meters underground, and it's now a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, so it's not being you know used as a salt mine as such anymore but it was the one of the world's oldest salt mines having produced table salt from the 13th century until 2007 and they've got three oh, sorry nine levels that are open to visit or three of the nine levels should I say are open to visitors and you can explore there they've got upper areas they've got underground emerald lakes which just look amazing there's chambers that have been detailed into chapels and there's all these array of statues and monuments all carved from salt and they've even got chandeliers and it's just Amazing, and I was reading an article in the the Traveller um, about one of the uh, journalists, you know, who'd gone there, and she actually got lost or sort of lost. And the the guide kept saying, "You've got to keep up. You've got to keep up." So you end up walking about, I think she said about three and a half kilometres of of the tunnel, and he said, "You know, otherwise you'll get left behind." And she did get left behind, (laughs) but luckily she got found and taken upstairs, and everything was okay. But she said, "I was just so fascinated by the whole thing. I just kept stopping and had to keep looking more." And she kept seeing the group trailing away in the distance, and they end up getting in the lift and she was left down below. But look, no, it it is all secure and there are plenty of tours that you can do to go there. Obviously, you need to wear um, comfortable shoes. It can be quite cold underground there as well. Um, And they say it's a good idea to book your tour in advance because in the summer months particularly, it can be quite busy. Um, But as you know me, Jane, I always say just don't go in the summer months. That's my theory. When it is so busy, go, you know, go earlier, go May, June, which is lovely, or a bit later in the year. Um, So they actually take you to it also, a saltworks museum, which is included with your mine entry if you want to do it. So the easiest way to do it is, I said, to do a tour out of out of Krakow and do it that way. But there's lots of actually tours ex-Australia now, like touring companies who are doing really interesting new itineraries that are including this in their itinerary anyway. So it's already pre-booked and pre-bayed for you. So it's, it's an inclusion that's there, which is fantastic. So there's a range of different tour operators now that you can check uh, with your travel agent will advise you that this can be included before you leave Australia without it being an additional cost you know what I mean so it's it's great so and one of the interesting itineraries I was looking at the other day Jane if I can find it this one is starting in Moscow so you're flying to Moscow you do a rail trip to St Petersburg then you're traveling down into Tallinn in Estonia and it's a beautiful old town that's unscathed through wars and so on and cobblestone streets etc then you go down into Riga in Latvia then into Lithuania to the Hill of Crosses and to Vilnius, which is the capital. Then you're going down into Warsaw and, of course, another train ride then down into Krakow. So it's a coach-train sort of combination. You do the salt mine, as I mentioned. Then you go, and I'm not sure this is the correct, correct pronunciation, in the Czech Republic of Brno, uh, B-R-N-O. And then you go into Chesky Krumlov, which is a beautiful old 
town in the Czech Republic and you finish up in Prague. So what a lovely itinerary um, if you've never done that part of the world. And as I said, there's just so many itineraries that are opening up now, even into places like Moldova, which was originally part of Russia. And it's sort of only this tiny little country bordered with Romania and near Bulgaria and so on. And all these countries are just opening up that you can get into, which is quite fascinating. They're still not right up there with all the tourist facilities yet because Moldova was a very very poor country and subject to a lot of corruption by leaders and so on so they're only gradually you know coming to terms but the people are friendly and once you're there you know they're, they're willing to do anything to, to, to assist to be friendly you know to have they, they have communal ovens where they still go down and can bake your bread in a communal oven you know and so it's really and you can eat in these wonderful little old tiny little places. They don't have a lot of restaurants, so the families, you can actually join them and have a meal in their home. So, you know, all these things are just fascinating and really, I think, making the world, uh, well, hopefully a better place for everybody and helping them financially by travelling into these countries. But you're going to get this wonderful experience, of course, of life that they've always lived in in that way, which, you know, as modern people of today, particularly the young ones, wouldn't have a clue, as we know. (laughs) We're talking travel. Sally Lucas, some very interesting and slightly off the beaten track destinations we're heading to today. We are, and I guess what stirred this up in me this week, I happened to be watching a repeat of Joanna Lumley's wonderful you know, trips that she's been doing um, for the ABC, actually. And this was the Silk Road journey, and it was one of the, I think it was episode three, which was devoted to Iran. And you know, a lot of us don't know a lot about Iran, I think, or haven't been there. And, you know, it's been one of those places that maybe hasn't been on, you know, the actual tourism list. But oh, I was absolutely fascinated by where she went. And also, like, how modern Tehran is, you know, the beautiful shopping complexes. And she went to buy, she couldn't get over the beautiful scarves. And she had a different one on every every time you saw her. These magnificent scarves, because they, they're not covered like as in the Muslims but they're just you know got these they wear these these women wear these beautiful scarves and so she was just absolutely inspired by those but having said that about you know it's a big city of 15 million people but that she went on down right through Iran into a place called Kashan and there was this most beautiful garden that's been the labyrinth's once the longest living garden in the world where you've got this wonderful, wonderful garden that people can come and visit and it's it's leafy like the rest of around it is arid and desert-like. But they've got this water that they've it's eternal water that they've been able to tap into. And the only other place I've been like that was in China many years ago when you went to Turfan. And Turfan is the second lowest place after the Dead Sea. And they had a system of wells which they called Kerez. And what they do, they dig down and across, down and across, and keep going until they hit water. And we were at 50-something degrees when we were there this particular time. And they had the most beautiful you know, watermelons and grapes they grew there because they had this irrigation system that they you know, founded centuries before. So this is very similar in this town as well. So it's amazing, isn't it, the similarities that you find between countries when you're going back in time. A lot of things were done very, very similarly to cope um, with arid you know, conditions and so on. So it's fascinating stuff. Yes. And um, then she went on to Shiraz, which is, of course, where the original Shiraz grape came from, but they don't grow it there anymore. They mainly drink rose water. All these different rose waters with seeds in them and all sorts of fascinating stuff. And Isfahan and then, of course, Persepolis, 
Dallas, which is a fascinating uh, old country, old uh, city as well. Of course, in Persian culture in the day, and, they, and she also went to this town called Yazd, um, which is a five-hour drive southeast of Isfahan, and apparently a place that Marco Polo noted as a good and noble city, which had a good strategic location on the trade routes from India and Central Asia. But there is the centre of the Zoroastrianism, which is that ancient religion that holds fire as sacred. Uh, So it originated here in Persia when it was still Persia and spread all along the Silk Road as far as China and India. And that was Freddie Mercury's religion or his parents' religion because they did come from there. So there is a temple of fire there where the fire there has been burning solidly for 1,500 years. And then they have these mysterious towers of silence on the edge of the city where the Zoroastrians used to lay their dead, not so much much now out to be eaten by the birds not wanting to contaminate the fire with a dead body so very interesting this culture which goes back you know even in Shiraz it goes back like thousands of years so and some of the buildings were just stunning and the mosques all inlaid you know the beautiful colored tiles and really really fascinating place to visit so there's so many places out there that we can include Jane and briefly can I just say this year Plovdiv in um uh, Bulgaria and uh, also Matera in Italy, which is down in the boot, down at the bottom of Italy, were um, given a stint as the European capitals of culture. It was a joint decision that they both had it this year. And that, again, looks absolutely fascinating. It's about an hour and ten minutes inland from Bari on the, on the east coast, about four hours from Naples by transport or about six hours from Rome. And this dates back over 9,000 years and they've got this labyrinth of cave dwellings where they all lived in caves and the cities were actually carved out of the rock. I mean, it looks amazing. And, of course, there was lots of events been happening there this year to coincide with them you know, having this award. But I'm just looking at some of the photos and, honestly, if you get a chance to go down to Matera, it looks absolutely wonderful and just something a little bit different. You know, up top of the other things you do in Italy, why not go and do something that's a little bit different? And, again, you're giving them a bit of tourism They've been a very poor, apparently, uh, town for quite a long time as well because they've been virtually ignored, just stuck down there. So, But, you know, they've won this this year to be the capital of European culture. So there you go. Something to add to your bucket list. To NURFM, your easy listening alternative, 27 past one. We're talking travel. Sally Lucas, uh, hot deals time. What's in the current travel marketplace? Okay, close to home to start with, Jane, to, uh, Vanuatu, Poppies on the Lagoon, which is a lovely little accommodation there. It's self-contained accommodation, so if you like doing your own thing, got your own kitchen, you know, nice sort of living area. It is right on the lagoon, so it is delightful. So that's starting from around about $1,200 per person. It's a saving of just on $800 at the moment, so long as you book by the end of May. And you travel between um, 22 July and... Uh, 22 September and then again I don't know why there's a two day blackout but there is from 24 September through to 30 November but that's really good value for money. You get breakfast daily, there's lots of inclusions in that as well and six nights accommodation. Um also, if you book by the end of May, you've got an Azamara club cruise doing Italy, Malta and Spain that's to party on the 26th of October. So that's fantastic. So you've got your return air with Qantas going into Rome and out of Barcelona, three nights pre-cruise accommodation in Rome, then a lovely nine-night cruise going all the way down the Italian coast, Sorrento, Amalfi, etc., down into Malta, across to um, Sicily and then round through the Palma de Mallorca, etc., to Barcelona and two nights in Barcelona at the end. And that is a really 
really great value for money from under $5,000 lead-in per person. And there's another one too. This is departing August this year. It's a 13-night on Celebrity Cruises. Again, you've got a book before 31 May. You're flying into Rome with Qantas, three nights pre-cruise accommodation there, then a 10-night cruise from Rome in an Ocean View stateroom, which is doing a round trip from Rome to Naples again to Palma de Mallorca. Barcelona, Monte Carlo, Santa Margarita and La Spezia in Italy. That's fantastic as well. Um, again, a bit closer to home, Hawaii, very popular destination. I was talking to a friend last night, actually. She's just been back for the second time. She went last year and this year and still can't believe how much there is to do there that you don't realise. She said the museum was stunning and the Iolani Palace. And she said, look, just things that they've collected over the years, because it's multicultural, Hawaii is not like mainland America. You know, you've had a lot of different interesting people there and interesting culture. So she said she's got to go back again. You know, she just thinks it's she's got a total fascination with it. Uh, this is on sale to 31 May as well. Return airfare. Now, this is taking you to Kona via Honolulu, so you're getting lovely accommodation there out on the on the big island. Five nights at the Riga Reef at Waikiki Beach as well, and all sorts of inclusions, cultural activities, you know, discounts, etc. And that's from under 3,000 per person. Again, that's valid until 31 May for travel um, only till 17 June, and again, starting up from 14 October through to 30 November. Um, Borneo, that's a fascinating destination for lots of people because anyone who's interested in saving the orangutans and stopping this awful palm oil production, I think, should go there and really enjoy these animals while we still have them. And this is a lovely group tour, fully escorted from Australia. It includes 21 meals, um, lots of lovely inclusions. You're going into um, via Bandar Seri Begawan, into Kota Kinabalu. Um, you're doing some homestays. You're going into the Kinabalu National Park. You're going to the Pouring Hot Springs. You get to go to Sandakan, of course, that awful deaths we lost on Sandakan. You go to the Sepulchre Orangutan Sanctuary as well and also the Proboscis one to see the funny proboscis monkeys as well. And you also go into the Gomantong Caves, which are considered some of the most fantastic caves in the world. So ex-Sydney, that's starting from under $3,500, fully escorted group departures, and that is going at various dates throughout the year. So as usual, Jane, there's a lot out there and there's lots of early birds released already for 2020 if anyone is interested in getting in early to get a discount. Sounds like the way to go, doesn't it? Thank you, absolutely. Thanks, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>